All right, so let's jump into part two of this pod, the AI Steph conversation. Well, man, I appreciate you for coming on uh, and doing this with me because I figured, right, I figured that if anybody has to talk to about any debate with AI involved, it got to be you because as long as I've known you, I, I swear that you're the biggest AI fan I know. Oh, that's for sure. We, we was kids, you had the, you had the reversible jersey, the <laughs> question, the fucking... Um, the trading cards, like you had, you had it all. So I had it all. I had all the options, the questions, the answers. Answer one, two, three, four, five. I was, I was rock. I was even when you know the retros of the Jays started coming back out. You know, I was still, I was still on the Reebok side. You know, I was rocking them for a little bit, and then eventually I had to go back over to the retro with the Jordans because you know that's that's what that's what was popping then. <laughs> True. Wait, so you, had, you had all those questions when you, when you were a kid. Like when AI was like in the league, like you had all the questions, those questions. Well, yeah, the first pair, I remember I had them, and um, when they first came out, I would think I was in like sixth grade. I had the white with the blue toe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I remember recess time came, and I was, you couldn't tell me nothing. The Iverson crossover was in effect for everybody who was in my way. That's just that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. That's what it was. Facts. All right, so. All right, man. That was that was my guy. <laughs> Before nah. I, it was Penny, but I don't know. I think I don't know. Just the way he he took impact on the league from the jump. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't see somebody that that small, that athletic, that fast. You know, especially with a with a signature move that he, you know, he was putting on the big stage against the best players in the world. So it was like, it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> nah, I, I mean, it really was though. Um. What was um, I forgot what I was gonna say already. Damn, I'm trying to I'm trying to blink early on. Uh, well, anyways, right. So, so, so I want to talk to you because I know you got you took offense to what I posted with um saying that. Well, I I basically posted what Chris Broussard said. He said that AI, well, Steph Curry is better than AI. I, I told you I clarified my thing. I said from a talent, AI is, I think is definitely better than Steph. But if I'm a GM and I'm trying to build a, a championship contending team, I'm gonna take Steph Curry. I don't think he's a better talent. Just like I don't think that he's a, that's just a better talent than Russ. But I would take him over Russ to build a championship team. I feel like AI and Russ are in that same that that same like category. Yeah, where you know where they they have to have the ball majority of the time, and you know exactly they have to have a certain team. Them, yeah, I, I I see where you're coming from with that, and I always felt that way with Russ as well. Like Russ was just one of those players that, like Iverson, you had to just let let be out there, you know. A certain mm -hmm. system that a coach might have may not work for him because, you know, he wants to, he's everywhere on the floor on offense and defense. You know, he he wants to steal on the defensive end and he wants to shout on the offensive end like every single play. You know, but I feel like that's where their heart comes with the play. You know, I feel like that's what makes them them tough. Is oh yeah, heart. They they play with that passion and that heart to want to do it on on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that like those guys have some of like the probably the best motors in league history. I felt like between AI and Russ. Yeah. Um, okay, so I mean, let's look back at AI, right? Ninety six draft, the best, arguably the best draft ever, and this guy went number one. <laughs> exactly. No, hold on. I'm gonna say I, I think it's the best draft ever from a depth standpoint. Definitely. I mean, you got AI, Kobe, Nash, Jermaine O'Neal, Ray Allen. Um, who else in that draft? Steve Nash. And that was crazy. 
I, I'm, I'm in the draft. My guy, my guy Twan. Don't leave my guy Twan out there. Oh, yeah. Twan was in that draft, too. Terry Kittles. You had uh, Big Z. You had, um, you know, Lorenzen Wright. Yep. Had, Do we count? Marcus Canby. You had Sharif Abdurrahim. Like, yo. Talent in that draft was crazy. And did, wait, did you mention Big Z already? Yeah, I said Big Z. Okay. Now, w- w- do we count um Ben Wallace on that, even though he was undrafted? Yeah, we can. You know, even Peja. Peja was part of the draft too, but really yeah. didn't come to the league about a few years later. So, but yeah, that's crazy. So to talk about that draft with depth, and then AI was obviously was would have been the number one pick. I mean, Kobe couldn't be the number one pick in that draft because. Taking a guard number one at that time would have been crazy. Yeah. If it was five years later, maybe he would have gone number one. But I think AI just killed it on the jump. And we all knew his strength. His resume in Georgetown was crazy. Yeah. The battles we had between um, Ray Allen with UConn and Georgetown. But wait, um, so, hold on, hold on. Wait, hold on. We're, we're, we're disrespecting Stephon Marbury, too. We can't do that. We can't we can't wait, do Stephon Marbury like that. We're disrespecting him right now. Wait, he was definitely part of that draft. He was – it was actually between him and Iverson for the number one pick. Like, Philly wanted a guard. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was those were the two best guards in the draft, and our, you know Philly went with AI, but Stephon would have been number one too if we can say if Iverson wasn't in that draft. Mm, true. So I mean, yeah. we got to give him his we got to give him his props because he. Oh no! And if basketball, no, his prime Marbury was a problem. Oh, yeah. They they always brought it. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean. But we can look at Steph Curry's draft. I mean, obviously, it was nowhere near nah, the level of the 96 draft. Nine, but the 09 draft was a great decent. draft, too, though. That was a great draft. You had Blake. You had Griffin and Steph. Tyreek Evans. You got James Harden. Yep. You got um, Drew Holiday. You had Ty Lawson. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was a lot of guards in that draft, too. You know, Johnny Flynn, Ricky Rubio. Yeah. Man, that's wild that like, two guards got taken ahead of Steph in that draft. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure if we if they, if they did that draft over again, Steph probably would have went number one, just based off what we know right now. It had been it had been between him and James Harden. Yeah, I would say that. That's fair. I think Blake would go third. I feel like James Harden, him even going number three, was like, you know, he was at a small a small school, or not, not really a small school, but a school that wasn't getting that much attention. Arizona State. Was, you know, it's a big school, but they weren't really good like that. Mm-hmm. They had him, but, and, you know, he was making noise for them, but for him to even still go. Tyreek Evans, who was at Memphis, was always on mm-hmm. TV, you know, he was, and he, he played well as, you know, he did good. He got rookie of the year that year. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, um, I remember that draft, and I remember the scout saying basically that what OKC wanted to do, even though they felt like Tyreek was better, they felt like what they already had with um, KD and Russ, that James Harden would be a better fit because of his shooting ability. Right. Was better than yeah, Tyreek. Sure. True. But yeah, that draft was straight. I mean, Steph, Steph, Steph MVP on um, my rookie campaign was anything to slouch on. I mean, he made a good run, but obviously Tyreek won it at the end, the rookie of the year. But Steph Adams was 17, 4, and 5 in his rookie season. That's not really bad. No, 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 that's not bad. I feel like with Tyreek, you know, he his stats, he averaged 25 and 5. That put him in that that only rookies to do it with LeBron and MJ. So I feel like him doing And Oscar, and Oscar too, I yeah, think. Yeah. Oscar had him, in that class. Him doing that, I feel like, kind of like, we, you know, with LeBron and Melo. Blake actually sat out that year. I mean, he hurt himself in the preseason game. So we, he probably would have got it. 
Oh yeah, Blake did. Yeah, I, I forgot. Took about the yeah. next year. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot Blake set up. Oh yeah, right. yeah. So he ended up taking it from John Wall next year, but he probably would have got it that. He could have been in the, the uh, argument as well. What do you think about that? How about if a rookie sets out, then they're all the eligible to be eligible to be considered a rookie the next season? You like that rule or not? Yeah, it's all right. I mean, we it's been that way for years. True. I mean, because the debate the, the debate you can have is that I mean, one can make a point that you're not really a true rookie if you're already in that NBA environment around the team and you're yeah. working out with these players. Yeah, you will be able to consider a, a rookie. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell was making a he was making a big case for it a couple years back, and I agreed with him. I agreed with him. Yeah. So you know what? what um, to get ready for this conversation, I was watching yesterday game one of the one finals. Now, AI, AI went, went off in that game. You know, it's, it's, really, you know, it's really crazy to look, to look at AI and just think, like like you said, like a dude who's basically our height. Honestly, he might even be like 5'10". He's, 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 he's a lot shorter. <laughs> yeah, he might be 5'. I'm thinking 6 feet. Yo. I think he's like 5'10". Nah, he's, he's not 6 feet. That's cr- he's barely. Yeah. So to, to see him like able to like be fearless, get into the rim, Taking contact, still still finishing plays at the hoop is crazy to think about. I'm watching that game like against like the Shacks. The um, who else was the big in the league when he was coming up? Alonzo Mornings, the yeah, yeah, David Alonzo. Robinson, Duncan's, the KGs. Like before he was his teammate, you know. He, mm-hmm. So it was there was there was a lot of there was big men. There were definitely big men in the league that were on teams to sit in the paint and wait mm-hmm. for him to get to the hoop. Yeah, it was crazy, dog. Like, so I'm watching that game, and obviously, um, they got they got that victory on game one in L.A., and then went on yeah. to get um gentleman sweep after. But honestly, <laughs> no, 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 but yo, no, honestly, no, no, I know, I know. <laughs> honestly, that six to ten. Can we can we just get set the record straight? Uh, I, I know, I know, a lot of people think that AI took a lot of like bums to the finals, but like to my point, like that team was really built specifically around the way AI plays. Like he yeah, needs yeah, the basket. They, they had a lot of dogs on that team, like. Eric, um, like from a defensive standpoint, like Eric Snow, Aaron McKee, um, Matumbo in, in, in the interior. No, that the the old one sixes. Tyrone Hill, dudes who knew their role, who would just get gritty. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm I'm doing research that year, that season. All the awards that went to the anybody on the sixes. AI was the MVP. Larry Brown was the coach of the year. Aaron McKee was the sixth man, and Matumbo was the defensive player of the year. Exactly. Defensive rating. Like, I'm like, I get it. Like, AI didn't have somebody who can get their, get their own offense, get buckets on their own. Yeah. But the team wasn't bad. No, they weren't wasn't bad. The they weren't bad. They, they had, like you said, they had players that were going to play well around him, and they mm-hmm. were all mentally tough just the same way he is. Like, and for them to believe in their superstar, you know, to bring it every night on the offensive end and come in with that toughness every night. Like they knew what they were, you know, they knew what they were playing with. So mm-hmm. they had to come with that same that same energy. Like that's just what it was. You know, they happened to run into a Lakers team that was just a lot better. You had two of the best players in the league on the same team who had just won the championship before they knew what it was like. They knew what it took to win the championship. You know, they mm-hmm. didn't really get that that first win. That game even went into overtime. Like, Iverson gave it his all in that game one. You know, he had a, an amazing performance, but he, he gave it his all. And they went into overtime, and, you know, he finished for 48. But it, it wasn't an easy 48. 
Because I watched the game yesterday, there was a, a stretch where he was like, you could tell he was tired yeah. and he wasn't like, looking to be aggressive. But when, it's, when the time called upon him, he took advantage and he came through with a step over over Tyron Lue. Yeah. An empty shot. Step over. So now a lot of people like when um when I posted that uh, um thing on IG and Sony was like, "Yo, man, is not gonna like this when you see this," and I started laughing. <laughs> and then I explained to them what I said. Like, I think Steph is easy to build around. And he said, "You can't put Steph on that team and the Sixers go to the finals." You know, maybe you're right, but at the same time, I don't think you can play AI on that 16 Warriors team and then win 73 games. Not with the way he plays. Who's not a knock on him? But I don't think that yeah, you could do that on that we've, team. We've seen we've seen him play with other talent, you know, all-star game. They don't really count, but I think that he'd be willing to sacrifice playing with those type of players on that Warrior squad as well. Like, knowing that you have a guy like Klay Thompson that can shoot the ball, like, I feel like he's not going to overlook Clay. You know, Clay will get his shots. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolly's already played with Iggy, so I feel like they, they had a connection. They had a connection to Philly, like, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I think I, I think it would have worked out. I think it would have worked out. Maybe not seventy three games, but okay. So if you so if you put AI on that team, how many games you games you do think they can win? They'd win more than sixty. Hmm. They'd win more than sixty. That's fair. We're talking about the the before KD, right? Yeah, before yeah, pre KD. Before KD. But sixteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so because that's that's his playing style as well. I mean, who's going to stop him? You have to worry so much about him, just the same way they have so much about Steph. And yep, you know they they're playing styles. They have different playing styles. You know, Curry Curry shoots threes. You know, but I feel like Iverson attacks the basket more, and with him attacking the basket more, it's going to create for others. So if he if if he buys into the driving kick, then I think I think it'll work out. I think it would have worked out. I think where Curry being on that 0-1-6's team is he'd have to take he, – he'd have a lot on his plate. <laughs> he'd have a lot, there'd be a lot of screen setting. Yeah, so one can argue that could Steph withhold that error that AI was playing with from a physical standpoint? Because we've seen early on in his career he had all those ankle problems. I think in 2011 and 12 that he missed about 40 games with ankle injuries. And yeah. He had a lackluster stat line that season. Compared to what he had before, but like, would he withhold his body in that era? Which is a fair debate. Probably not. I'm not gonna lie. No, he wouldn't be able to get the shots off. That he he'd have to shoot from half court every time because it's the only way. He's not gonna go to the hoop. We don't see Steph go to the hoop a lot. That is true. And I I think he settles a lot for his jump shot because he's he's really good at shooting. So I I mean I don't blame him. But I feel like when the shots aren't falling, what's next? Then he's going to have to get everybody else involved. And... Hey, yeah, and exactly. And then that, that, that Sixers team didn't have a lot of offense outside of AI. So yeah. left there with, like, mediocre talent from an offensive standpoint. And we haven't seen that much relentlessness from from Steph that we've seen from AI. Like, we've seen AI, like, not give up no matter what. And that's just, that comes with his heart. Not say yeah, like, a, like AI. AI. Part, but. I, he's never been in those situations where he's had to really carry a team. Yeah, like with AI, like AI can shoot, AI can go like five for five for twenty-five. He still got mad confidence. He's gonna keep on shooting until the ball goes in. Yeah, 
not going to stop. He's not going to worry about the stat lines or what the critics are going to say. He's going to do whatever it takes to get the W. Um, now, so you said we saw AI play with talent too, right? Because like, wasn't it in? I think it was December 06, Philly traded him um, to um, to Denver yep. for Joe Smith, Andre Miller, and two first round picks. Now, a lot of people say, a lot of people were saying that AI was rough at that point, but he no, really wasn't. No, he really wasn't though. Melo and AI were the top two scores in the league yeah. at that point when he got traded. So how how was he watched then? Like he wasn't watched. Yeah. That did you did you like that fit when that when, it ha- when that trade went down? Did you think that was a good trade? With the New York the Knicks situation? Nah, when um, he got traded to Denver and him and Melo were playing together. Cause I felt like it was like they were like they really like their skills are kind of redundant. So I didn't think that was a really a good fit when it happened right away. No, I but I mean you offense. Yeah, I think they were missing what he was, what he was, what he had on the Philly team. You know that that toughness, the players that knew their role, and I feel like on the Nuggets, nobody knew their role. You know, obviously, Iverson and Melo were going to put the ball in the hoop, but then you had, you know, a young J.R. Smith that was still trying to figure it out. You know, Kenya Martin was their, he was like their defense. He was their anchor on defense. There can be, but I don't know. I just think the West was too tough back then. You know, they still won 50 games. They were winning 50 games, but only making the AFC. Like, that just goes to show you how tough the West was then. You had teams like L.A., you had San Antonio, Dallas. Phoenix was still good. Portland, like, West. the West was tough. And I think you know, they – I don't know. It didn't, it didn't work out for them. It didn't work out. It was unfortunate, though. I, I, I was excited for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, the West was really tough. Cause I don't think they even got past the first round with, with them two together. Two years that they were together, uh, they, I feel like they lost to L.A. And then they lost to San Antonio. I feel like San Antonio mm-hmm. swept them. That was like, I think the, that was the 08 playoffs. I think Spurs, Spurs yeah. swept them. I think that was it. Didn't, didn't, the, didn't the Lakers swoop in two or it in five? The Lakers, if I remember correctly? It might have been five. It might have been five. I know, I know it was a pretty ugly series. Yeah. But I, I can't remember if it was a sweep or a gentleman's sweep. Um, that was crazy. So we can get back. So with Steph, right? Like I said, Steph had that, all those bad ankle problems. And then he got that – that team got that friendly deal, four-year, 44 mil, which I think played a big part in them being able to get KD along with the salary cap going up crazy because of the TV deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like in 2014, 15, like I feel like the Warriors came out of nowhere – because they were on nobody's radar to be a championship contender. What do you think changed for them? Well, I think it was just Steph Kerr, um, it's a Steph Kerr, Steve Kerr, becoming the head coach and just, like, building off the foundation that Mark Jackson laid. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a different system. I think Mark Jackson knew what he had, but I think the offense wasn't – it wasn't as freelance as it was when Steve Kerr joined. Exactly. He came with a, he came with a different system for them to up and down. You know, they were they were going to run. They were going to run and shoot. And we haven't seen anything like that before. I mean, Denver, with Melo and AI, was the closest thing we've seen to a team like that where that was just going to play up and down and, you know, everybody get their shots. But there was no defense on the other end, so they, it, it, it worked. <laughs> it didn't work. I think Mark Jackson was trying to make them more of a, a – like a, a defense. He wanted them to have their offense, but I think on defense – he was more of a defensive mind, a coach, and they weren't really buying into it. They, I think, as soon as Steve Kerr came in, I think Steph was probably a better player too. Player, win. 
Kerr joined. Yeah, I mean, little things that Steve Kerr did, like basically um, putting thing on the bench, uh, David Lee on the bench for Draymond, yeah. um, and then also the didn't he move thing to the bench too? It, didn't move Iggy to the bench too for Harrison Barnes? Uh, no, he, he Iggy came in and he had Iggy on the bench. Yeah, yeah, for Harrison no, Barnes. Harrison, yeah, Harrison Barnes started. Exactly. Yeah. So I feel like that really opened up the offense, and then. I mean, while people say that Steph Curry is like the product of a um, of a gener- of a of a league where there's like no physicality, a lot of shooting, um, he probably you could probably make the case that he's like the real reason why the game is played the way it is today. It's like the second he crosses half court, he's a threat. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, and I think they teams seen the success of it that first mm-hmm. year that you know that that fourteen fifteen year that they won. And uh, other teams wanted to play the same way. Yeah. Now, um, so I never asked you before. Like, are you a fan of this new this new style of basketball? Yeah. In terms of the, all the yeah. all all the shoot running up and down, everybody's because I feel like everybody's just like for the for the most part, everybody's copying one another. There's not no originality when it comes to the game no, right I'm now. Not, the not right now, but it's helping the game evolve because it's players that are seven feet that they can do those same things. You know, if they if they, they practice it, you know, they, exactly. they build that same skill set. The talent mm-hmm. is a lot better nowadays. Players are more athletic, you know, they're faster, they're stronger. Their regimens are a lot better than they want, you know, they were. I feel like we only were led to believe that Michael Jordan was the only one in the gym. Like, we, we, <laughs> that was how it was. Like, you know, we didn't have access to what players were doing before, you know, social media came about. So, we only knew that Michael Jordan was in the gym because we would have to see that on tape or a documentary somewhere or, you know. But now we know this, the type of work that these players are putting in and it's only making them better. So I feel like the game is only going to get better. Yeah. No, I mean, that's a good point. Like, I, that's one thing I like about this era is, like, the fact, like, bigs are forced to, like, have skill sets that a guard would have, being able to pass and, you know, put the ball on the floor. Um, I, I feel like that's better for a player to develop this overall game. Um, but I, I just miss like the old. Well, you get this sometimes in the playoffs. I feel like those old school grind out games, those those ugly low scoring basketball games, kind of like around that 79, 85 point range. Like I, I kind of miss that. But but like I said, you get that sometimes in the playoff series, like when it goes like six or seven that was, games. That was Memphis. You get, I feel like Memphis was the last of the dying breed. Those word. Like, those grindhouse teams that had Zebo and Mark Gasol, and you know those games. I feel like they was a series that they played with. Was it San Antonio? I feel like mm-hmm. that series was it was playing hard, like you know, it wasn't fun to watch, but they was they was out there like it was it was a, it was a tough a tough series. And even when they, I feel like they advanced to play OKC that year, I feel like it was the same thing. Like they even slowed OKC down. You know, we were used to them going up and down Westbrook all over the place, and you know, KD and and they slowed them down as well. But yeah, I feel like that Memphis team was that was the last of it. And I feel like after that, once that team broke up. Then this, it was for sure, for certain that this new era was like it was here. Yeah, I mean it's just crazy to me. Like, like getting back to that point of like the new the new way of ball, like kids today. Like you see kids today in leagues. I mean you probably see it because you got you because know, yeah. main main plays ball a travel team. Like do they ever like go like a three on two fast break instead of for for a jumper? Like that would drive me crazy if I was a coach. Yeah, some kids do. Some kids do. 
Taja Kane's like, what the yeah, hell? They, they do. That, but that's you know that's because of Steph Curry, like you said. Like he's he's the he's the face of it all. He's the face of this generation. That when they go, they play ball. They want to see, you know, they want you shooting from half court. And you know now Trey Young is here. Trey Young is <laughs> he's a product of Steph Curry, like. He's a exactly. Steph Curry, and he's doing the same things, and it's working for him as well. So, you got two players, you know, naturally. Well, team. I mean, I mean, I don't know what's working for him. I mean, he put up a lot of shots. He's a volume scorer. Like, that team is not really good, and he just takes mad shots. But he got the skill set to be really, really good going forth, I think, and be, like, producing on a really good team. Yeah, he's a, he's an underrated playmaker, too. Like, he he's a, he's a good playmaker as well. I mean, I still think that Dallas. I'm at Dallas. I still think that Atlanta made a made a bad decision instead of taking him taking him over Luca. But he 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 got a promise of future. Politics of the NBA. I think Mavericks just wanted they they wanted that next that next Dirk. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that was that was <laughs> politics. I think that was already that was already planned out. And then you could say on the other side, Atlanta probably wanted somebody who can. Um, the Hawks wanted somebody who could fit in that Atlanta culture and Trey Young's game, which is exciting. Yeah. To the average, fits perfectly down in ATL. Hmm. True. True. Um. So okay. So we've seen AI right after De- after Denver, he goes. He gets traded to um, the Pistons, and I feel like from there, his production kind of kind of significantly. Um, playing with the, in that Pistons system, like, he didn't fit that at, at all. I I feel like after Philly, he was probably was, I don't know. I think he was happy to be out of that situation, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I I think there was a lot going on outside of basketball. Probably that he just it wasn't there between the, even between Denver and being traded. Like I feel like they were heading in a different direction. They like they wanted to win. Like that was their that was their time to win. And who are you talking Denver. about? So I feel like they had to get rid of him to get. You know Chauncey, who had better leadership. Yeah, so that's my thing. That's my thing when it comes to like, like how hard it is to build a team. It's not necessarily all about all about talent because no one would ever confuse Chauncey Billups of being a better basketball player than AI. But at the same time, I feel like he he fit that Nuggets team a lot better, and the proof is in the pudding because they did go to the conference finals after they made that trade. They did, but I also think Melo was a better player between him being with AI and then coming to Chauncey. I feel like, you know, he had the Olympics that summer. He learned a lot from that. Yeah, he had learned a lot from that. And he came back with a better attitude, like, you know, better shape. Like, that was the, that was his best year as a Nugget. Yeah, you're right. Honestly, um, I, I forgot about that. That was, when Chauncey got traded that season, that was Melo's first off the OA Olympics, which a lot of players will, will, will still to this day say that that was, like, a great experience running in. from, like, four I feel like that wasn't, yeah, yeah. that wasn't, AI's fault that that Melo became a better player after him. Like I feel like it was just the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like 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 you said. I personally think that that was Melo's best year. You can argue it was that that year and um that one year on the Knicks when they won about like fifty plus games and he got that one vote that left LeBron not being the unanimous MVP. That, that that's probably like those top two years for Melo. But I, I would go with that. Yeah, 08, I'll 09 take, season. I'll take, 09 season. I'll, I'll take that season. 
Yeah. And, and you've seen him, like, in the playoffs. Like, when they were, I think well, I'm going to say game one when they were playing the Lakers. Like, he said, yo, I got Kobe. Like, he was thinking Kobe in crucial moments in the game. Like, he was, like, taking that ownership. Like, you that, see- that Dallas series. That oh, Dallas earlier. series. He, he showed up that Dallas series. And then series he showed up. Like, he, he played he played really good that year. Like, I, I feel like that was his best year for sure. Nah, for sure. Um, but yeah, back to our AI. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I just feel like he didn't really like embrace like like change in terms of like his role. But but I don't blame him at the same time because it's kind of hard to trust a guy who's probably been the best basketball player like on on team the majority of life to like have a diminishing role like be like delegated to six men or a bench yeah. role. You know what I'm saying? But it's really really hard to do. I, I'm not gonna knock him for it. But I feel like, in, in retrospect, I'm not sure. I'm not even sure if he would like look back and say that he would have dealt with that differently with those last few years in his career. What do you think? I think the Detroit situation he would have handled differently. I, I think mm. he would have. I think there was a lot of stuff going on in that organization as well, like especially for Chauncey mm-hmm. to be traded. Like Chauncey wanted to be traded. Wait, did, did he really want to be yeah, traded? He, he wanted to be traded. Like, I mean. You would trade. Why would you trade Chauncey for Iverson? Like, hmm. like why would Detroit? Why would Detroit be so quick to get rid of him? If they were, if they well, were I mean, you... conference final finalists, you know, many years prior to that. Well, I mean, I mean, you can. Um, I would think that they probably traded him because they really, they felt like it was going to be hard for them to win another championship without a legit star on the team. Which AI at the time was. Yeah, but they weren't the same after they lost Ben Wallace anyway. So you can't really say that Iverson would have came in and kept them contenders. I feel like mm-hmm. they, they depleted after LeBron in 07. I feel like they were yeah. done after that. Yeah. True. I mean, so, all right, so we can shift over to Steph, right? So Steph won the rookie, I mean, the MVP awards twice. 2016 is unanimous. Do you have a problem with Steph being the unanimous MVP? Because here's my stance. I don't have a problem with him actually being the unanimous MVP. I have a problem that he's the first to ever have that title because there's no way in hell that Shaq didn't have that, Mike or LeBron. Like, the three players I can think of that should have been unanimous MVPs at some point in their career, those three right there. It was just before Steph. Behind it. I don't think he deserved it either, but it was it was the hype. You know, they had the best record in the NBA. Um, you know, he was putting up numbers as usual, and they it was it was more of a team thing. It was like you had to give it to him because his team was so successful. Wait, so you don't think he should? You don't think he should no, got the MVP that, that year? Or it like I agree. With you. It should have been. Unanimous. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But okay. I'm going to say because, I mean, Evan Pieces, he did average 30 with a scoring title, uh, 50-40-90 club, about six assists and five rebounds. I'm like, that's kind of tough. And uh, Nathan, you said they won 73 games. Like, if you win 73 games, I mean, the best I, record in the I league. Put up those numbers, <laughs> and, you know, he, he's done that plenty of times, but <laughs> he's only got MVP once. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy to look back at that season with Kobe Avis, 05-06, with Kobe Avis, what, 35? AI is 33, and LeBron was 32. He was 33 and 8 assists. Don't, don't do my God. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a great year. And that was, what, his 10th year in the league? Yeah, 10th year in the league. What, 31 that year, too? So it was, that, that was a great year. And the crazy thing is, Steve Nash got MVP. If you see those three guys, the numbers they put up, and you gave it to somebody that was averaging under 20 a game. 
like, that's why we're like, oh, Steph got more MVPs and this. I'm like, but come on. Steve Nash got more MVPs than Iverson. He's not better. <laughs> He's not better than Iverson. That's true. He's definitely MVPs. He, I, we can't even say, we can't say that he deserved the two that he has. Fair in question. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, I feel like Nash deserves a second one only because that was the season Amari missed like the whole season that year and they still got to the conference finals. I would give him that one. The first one, no. But the second one, I would give it to him. Now, in in retrospect, if you give Russ the MVP award, everything would triple double, but it seems like six in the the West and Kobe probably should have got that MVP award in in that 05-06 season. Everything seven. I'm just saying. Five a game and not win MVP. Like, come on. <laughs> Facts. So, so one of my things as to why I would probably like pick Steph over AI uh, to build a team around is because AI was what and, like so his his productivity at a high level was about what twelve seasons thirteen. I think I want to say Steph right now in his eleventh season. I just Steph playing at a high level for the next five six years on a high level for the next five six years. Yeah, I mean, his game's not based on athleticism. He's never been the fastest guy. Doesn't jump the highest. Yeah, he's, he's a shooter. shooter. He's not. He's, I got to he's slowing I got to down, though. I feel like maybe that's just because the game is coming easier to him. But I feel like, you know, Iverson relied so much on his speed that once that was gone, then it was everything else went with it. Um, yeah. I feel like, yeah, Curry, because Curry's a great shooter, you know, he's going to put up numbers as time goes on, but he's not going to be – it's not going to be high level. I don't think – I don't I don't think so. Especially with the, with the ankle injuries that he dealt with early on, I feel like that stuff is going to catch up as he gets older. I mean, and also, too, for, like, example, if the, if the Warriors come back – if the season picks up next year and Steph, Clay, and Jimmy are back, I think that the legit championship contenders are probably going to pick up to come out the West, but I can see them be a top three seed in the, in the West next year. With that core, with that core that they had pre KD, yeah. With with Wiggins as your fourth as your fourth option, why not? I mean, the only, team, the only team I put ahead of them is the is the LA teams, Lakers and the Clippers. I don't I don't trust Houston. I don't know what it's gonna look like next year because I think they're trying to give like, it to, to Tony. I like, I like I'm not Denver. sure. I'm not sure if small ball withstand that with PJ Tucker being the five for that long. No, that's not gonna work. Um, but you have you know Denver. Denver's good. Well, that was good. That was good. We can we can never have San Antonio out. Like, we can. I I I, I think those days are over. Because I'm the they were were they even in the playoff picture yeah, this season were, before the season got suspended. But they weren't in the A spot though. They were outside of the A, right? I'm pretty sure they're outside yeah, of the A spot. I think Memphis was the one that actually had it. Yeah, yeah. and Memphis at, at the A spot. So I'm not I'm not sure that the pop got that magic anymore. I mean, it's been a long, it's been a great run, but I'm not sure. No, I don't, I don't that think they could be like legit contention. I think it's. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna blame Demar Derozan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna blame Demar Derozan. I, 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 no disrespect, but I just I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't. I don't believe in him as a superstar. I don't, I don't, I don't think that he is a first option on a team. I don't think he ever was. But I don't know. I guess he's a good player. Like, he's a real good player. But. He he deals with a lot off the court as well. So, you know, can we always mm-hmm. we're always gonna have to question if he's locked in or not. You know, players like that. So, I don't know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I never, I never been high on him. Even back in Toronto, when they was winning all those, like having the best record in the East, and then them forward the playoff game, and it was like best player in the world. What do you want me to do? You know, <laughs> don't say stuff like that. <laughs> That, that put it that put it in heart. So LeBron turned the right to the bodies. Oh yeah. Giving this man the title. Go ahead. <laughs> we see what happened when the trade with Kawhi. We see what happened. So we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna blame Demar yeah. San Antonio, but I'm never gonna count them out for as long as Pop's their coach. I mean, I mean, I want to see how Dezonte Murray develops over the years and. If they, if they can add some other pieces on the team, but I'm not sure the way they're constructed right now that I would consider them to be a threat in the West next season. Because I feel like I feel like Pop's going to be done. I thought I always heard that Pop was going to be done after coaching the Olympics, but now that it's been pushed back to next year, maybe he might come back and try to make a, yeah. a more run. Um, yo, so what, was it AI's birthday yeah. last week? Yo, it's crazy. So um, Bleach Report, ain't on the Twitter anymore. So Bleach Report was on, um, put out like a post, shout out AI for his birthday. And listen to all of achievements. And I was like, yo, didn't y'all basically didn't y'all leave AI out of the top fifty last year and y'all greatest plays of all time list? Like, yo, that was crazy, man. They didn't have him top yeah, fifty last disrespectful. year. That's very disrespectful. <laughs> yo, yo, I thought they were just for the Kobe having Steph Curry ahead of him and having Kobe 14th. They didn't have AI in the top fifty. Like, come on, dog. Like, we all watch basketball. You cannot name me fifty players better than Allen Iverson. Mina Ginobili not better than Allen Iverson no. in basketball. It's just not, not no. No, that 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 is very disrespectful. <laughs> I don't even think – that's not a mistake neither. Like, I mean, that's a mistake on them, but there's, like, no reason for him to not be on that list at all. Word. The guy's running MVP. Um, he's a Hall of Fame. He's running MVP, scoring titles, you know, been an all-star many times. Like, but this guy's not a top 50 player. Like, that's – Yeah. Eleven time, eleven time All Star, three first team All NBA appearances, four time scoring champ. AI's resume, crazy. So no, but like, let's like, talk because like I think too. Like we, we, you know, we we say he plays the passing lane a lot, but you know, Stales is Stales. Paul George is the same thing, and we consider him elite. He's an elite defender. So why, you know, why why couldn't yeah. Harrison ever be an elite defender? Why wasn't he ever on any defensive teams when he was leading the league in steals? Like he was giving Larry Hughes, Larry Hughes. <laughs> Played with AI earlier in his career, like the league in steals one year too mm-hmm. on Washington, and he said he learned a lot from Iverson. So it's like, damn, you got one guy giving him his props, and he's still, you know, still no recognition. But that's that was that was. Yeah. Like I mean, you know, the league didn't want to give him his credit for anything. Well, I mean, like you said, like passing lanes isn't like necessarily make you a lockdown defender. But for example, this is why I think it's really hard to build around AI too, because I mean, we all know that AI truly is a two trapped in a one's body, right? So if you have AI playing in natural position, the two, your point guard going to be your backcourt is probably going to be mad small because your point guard is going to be like what maybe like six feet, six one, and AI is like by five ten. I mean, so AI is going to struggle guarding somebody like a Kobe on the wing. Or even like a, a regular like six five shooting guard. A prime, a prime like it's gonna be tough for him. Be the one in this in this this game. I think he would he would be the one. Mm-hmm. For that because of oh oh he would have to to be small. So you would have to put him yeah. in one. And oh yeah, you're talking about today's NBA. Oh yeah yeah yeah, he'd be, he'd be a one. I mean the, the, I mean it's, it's more like we have like combo guards today, like you know what I'm saying. So he would definitely be a one. And I think 
he would get a lot more fouled. He'd get to the line a lot more. I mean, he got to think about it. He got to the line a lot then. And, you know, you see as many yeah. times as Harden goes to the line, he's he's right up there with the, with the fouls. He was he was telling he sold him the yeah. best. <laughs> <laughs> yo yo he really did though because you it's like you got to call it some of his size like taking that taking that risk of going to land and getting yeah, and getting hammered like you got to call that like every single time he goes to the okay? yeah every single time like, you know with if we're talking to young AI with his athletic ability like he was above the rim every time he was at the hoop so there's no way you're not gonna foul him. Or let him score. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, like, like, like getting back to AI, like the like with the breach reports list, right? I feel like that's like AI, even even Kobe to an extent, were like getting like getting like punished in this era of analytics and advanced metrics. All that stuff I really don't care about. Like they they, they use that because they're not like they don't the game isn't analytically friendly. They they shoot a lot. The high volume scorers. They're not really efficient players. But listen, if you watch basketball, you know these how they two get down. Like top five shooting guards of all time. It's it's, it's crazy. Like AI is definitely a top fifty basketball player to ever played a game. There's no reason why he's not. And I don't even understand why they made that list yeah. and left him off it. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. I want I want to ask you this. Do you think it's going to be hard to like, like a player like Steph Curry to put, when his when his career is all said and done to like place him in the list of all time? Great point guards because like the the role of a point guard has changed like so dramatically over the years. Like like put it like five like ten years ago, we wouldn't look, look at a point guard as Steph as Steph Curry as a as a perfect point guard. We would look at like a Chris Paul yeah. as like the prototypical point guard. But now we see like, Steph Curry the prototypical point guard. Would you have you think y'all have a problem like placing him with a, between yeah, in the he, list of the all time great point guards? He's a if if no, like you place him at, will that be hard for you? Like I feel like where you place him at because I feel like right now people are like overall consensus, Magic's the best point guard of all time. A lot of people have Isaiah at number two. Like where would you put Steph like when his career is all said and done? Like how are you gonna rank him? Like against like stuff like him against Jason Kidd. Two totally different styles. But you're probably gonna put Steph higher because he accomplished more than you know what I'm saying? I feel like that was where your argument was gonna come with when it came with Steph and AI. Like, you know, because he might have more accolades. Obviously he has three chips and he has two MVPs, where AI only has one. But, mm-hmm. like you said, if we watch them play, if we watch basketball and you watch both of them play, which we've had, then you would see that it was done differently, but the numbers are still there for, for the both of them. So it was like, it comes down to yeah. what you want in a player when you're deciding between those two. But as far as, you know, with Steph being in the all-time point guard list, I'd have to put him, he's in the top five. He's in the top five. Oh, no, he, he, he got to be off, put, off GP. Um, him ahead of Magic or Isaiah. We have to put Jason Kidd in there. Um, in the top five? Yeah. Yeah, we got to put Jason Kidd in the top five. I'm not mad at that. I, I got Jason uh, Kidd top John five, Stockton. seven. Um, I feel like that's – I don't know. It's tough. It's tough because I got to have Chris Paul in there as well, so – I don't know. I know Steph has to be in there, though. I know Steph has to be in that list. Well, if not, if not, he'd be six. I mean, I mean, if he doesn't make the list, he's six. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I'm going. You know, you got Magic. Yeah. You got Isaiah. You got Stockton. You got Kid, and you got Chris Paul. 
I feel like. And then you got, you know, Steve Nash. I feel like you can make an argument for Steve Nash. But I think I'm taking John Stockton over Steve Nash. Yeah. John Stockton over Steve Nash? I think I'm taking John Stockton. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, okay, for, I think that the defense would probably tilt the favor of Stockton ahead of yeah, Nash. I mean, he might have been the, the truest point guard we've ever seen. <laughs> so I feel like he has to be in that list. You know, he's all-time assists and steals. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. wild. Two records that, 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 that might not ever be broken, yeah, to be honest. We have close that can come to it is Chris Paul. Probably, you know, if he if he sticks out for a couple more years, he could. But right now, mm-hmm. you know, it's still Stockton. It's been Stockton too for years, for a long time. So he has to, he has to be in that top five list. Mm. Yeah, like that. Like that. Like on GP, like yeah, he might have to put on, on that GP. too. Like Stockton. Isaiah wasn't. So weird. <laughs> 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 I mean, come on, that, that, that's wild. But like, we all know that we all know no, Don Thompson no, is not no. better than Isaiah Thomas. Politics plays a role in, in just about everything in life, so it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, it's, it's crazy how 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 are we still just like bitter about that whole situation, man? I can't say I'm really mad at him though, because that, that's like a that's history right there. To be left out of history, yeah. it's kind of crazy, especially when your talent like demands that oh, you yeah, should have been there. Was a part of but, history as well. Yeah, yeah but but but, but on the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that team was was, was terribly constructed. Uh, was so yeah, so, so we had AI, we had Lamar Odom. I think Ron Artest and Ben Wallace yeah, was there too. I think nobody wanted to play. I feel like you know Kobe was dealing with his off court stuff. He was dealing with his off court stuff. Yeah, Colorado. Um, so he he couldn't commit. Yeah. I just think it wasn't the time was bad. Timing was bad. And then um, you had Braun, Braun Wade, and uh, Melba all yeah. fresh out the rookie, rookie campaign. So it was like, it was just the experience. Just how used to were they really going to be? When AD was on it in 2012, it was one of those things. Or just Kevin mm-hmm. Love being on. Was Kevin Love on 08? No, it wasn't Kevin Love. Nah, who wasn't there? Who was the, who was the uh, player that was on 08? The rookie. Was that rookie on it? I can't remember the roster. I don't know. I remember Michael Red barely played. Boozer barely played. Tayshawn Prince barely played. Uh, I'm not really sure. I'm not sure if they had a rookie then. Yeah. That's crazy how all those guys like barely played. That just shows you how deep they were. Jason Kidd, Chris (laughs) Paul, and D. Will. I was like, I'm trying to figure out how they would yeah. like, rotate that, make that work. I'm like, how you got, you know, you got, that's, that's crazy. You got Jason <laughs> Kidd starting, and then you got these two coming off the bench. Like, you had Kobe. And then you got Kobe committing to this, basically the defensive side of the ball. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm just here to lead and play defense. and To get to, to build for these guys to be the future, you know, because they all, they were all better players after that. So yeah. Like, and that was because of him. Facts. Um, yeah, man, we can, wrap, we can wrap it up from here. I know you got to go and everything, so it's yeah, pretty good. It good. Good content. Yeah, I might pull up today to that hey, event. Hey, I think it goes with either or at the end. 
You can you can go with Steph, you can go with AI. It all depends on what you want. It's like AI's heart was never at question. So I just think with Iverson, we always knew what he was gonna bring on a nightly basis. I just don't think with Curry, we we know that we know Curry's good, but he's never been like we've never been put to the test like that. Like what 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 next? If, if you don't have the struggle, one thing I will say, um, what else do you do? If you're if you're going over over fifty in a game, you're not making any shots. Like, what do you? What else are you gonna do? You know, are you gonna mm-hmm. bring it on the defensive end? Like, I feel like we've ne- we've never seen that from Curry. Yeah. So one thing one thing I will say, like in defensive AI and and an AI over step debate, I, I I don't think I would ever ever see AI be held in check. And pivotal games of a crucial playoff series, like I have seen Steph done before. I don't think you, I, I would ever see AI be contained to that extent, like I've seen with yeah, Steph. Yeah, I've seen him make some some bogus plays in crucial moments, and I'm like, is the decision making yeah. there? You know, is the jump shot that good that he's not? We're not relying on him to do anything else. Like when it's not falling, he, it, it's it's that good. I mean, yeah, we know that he's going to make shots. So I don't think we're ever going to get a chance to see what, mm-hmm. what happens if he's not making any shots or if his game changes. His game's not going to change because he's always going to be a shooter. His playmaking is, you know, it's yeah. – I don't know. I've seen this guy throw a round-the-back pass in a crucial moment in the game. In a, in a, in a game seven of the finals. Like, what, what are you Love thinking about? <laughs> I've seen Kevin Love play great defense on him to not get a shot. I don't, I don't see that him doing that to Allen Iverson. Like, I don't, I don't see Kevin Love <laughs> stopping Iverson from getting a good shot off. So, I don't know. Mm. Yeah. That's real. I mean, I mean, I mean, Steph doesn't have a final MVP, but I think that he should have got it that the first year. Well, if you keep it real, in 2016, I mean, 2015, if anybody should have got it, it should have been LeBron, lost, but then but we're going to give it to somebody who lost. Because he showed up in big moments. Yeah, but he had like eleven points in the series. Um, a, 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 Steph averaged like twenty five and like five. Like, should have gave it to Steph Curry. Just in, in retrospect, it should have went to Steph. But I, I, I get it where they were going because when they inserted Iguodala in the starting lineup, which I said they should have did, like around the time when they made that change, like, yo, they should probably put um Iggy in the starting lineup because Harrison Barnes isn't really playing good at all. You put Iggy in the, in the game, that might change the series, and it, and it did change the series. So I see where they were going with giving him the award, but. I don't know if we really, really should have got the finals MVP award. But yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, I mean, and, and one plus to Steph is that, like, we know that Steph Curry, I mean, when KD came to the team, like, we knew the best player, who the best player was. It was Kevin Durant. But I feel like the offense really starts with Steph Curry. Because, like I said earlier, once he crosses the line, you got to respect him. And I believe that yeah, the last day they won the chip – or um, when Steph missed games versus when Steph when KD missed games, yeah. their record was better when KD missed games. So even though KD was a better player, Steph was more valuable in a sense to the team yeah. than um, KD was. Without him, so we knew Steph had more value. We know that he was going to get it done, but mm-hmm. I think KD being there was was just the luxury behind it. Just made them an even better team. I feel like they should have won 73 games with Durant being there than they did the year before. Like, I don't even understand. <laughs> yeah. Well, that year, but Katie's first year, I think he missed like 20 plus games when Zaza yeah. almost took the blue his knee out when he fell on him. 
And then I don't, and I don't think that they're actually really trying to go. Like they actually tried to get to break the record. I think they were trying with KD because they see what happened. They did it the year before, but they lost the chip. So what's yeah. the point of doing it if you're not going to win the championship? I feel like that, like that was their mindset going into the season anyways. Because I think they easily could have won 73 games with KD if they really wanted to. Yeah. And he was healthy for the most part. But, but I'm not, I yeah, we can wrap it up. Yeah. I know you got to go and everything. Um, All right, no doubt. Yes, sir, family. I'll hunt you up. Later. All right. Special thanks to the homie Lizzle4. I appreciate you, my guy. Congrats on the success and keep going up from here. Special thanks to the homie Mano as well. Thank you to Anchor and thank you guys for listening. And if you haven't already, be sure to hit that subscribe button as the Mr. Vincent podcast is available on several platforms that includes Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And if you and if you like to follow me on social media as well, Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Vincent 13. You can also like my Facebook fan page as well. Emmanuel Vincent. Uh, well, that's all the time we have for now. Um, I'm going to push to get another pod out on Friday. So be on the lookout for that. Until then, y'all have a blessed week and stay safe. All right, now let's get back to the pod. Welcome to the Mr. Vincent podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Vincent. And happy Friday Eve, although by the time most of you guys hear this podcast, it will in fact already be Friday. Um, So for this episode, I did uh, have a conversation with my cousin earlier this evening, who's actually been on this podcast several times. Um, We talked about essentially what we're seeing taking place in this country, a shift um, in an effort to combat systemic racism with the Black Lives Matter movement and all the protests that are taking place. Um, and we also just um, stressed like how uh, we feel that this future generation is in good hands in this effort. Um, we also did talk about why essentially it's important to vote, um, especially in 2020 in this current climate that we're living in. Then we gave our thoughts and opinions on whether or not the NBA should resume the season as we're seeing several key players, including Kyrie Irving, um, are opposed to the NBA uh resuming play down in Orlando in the bubble. So all that and more is coming up on this podcast. But first, I want to let you guys know about an event. Um, Seeing how Friday is Juneteenth, um, there will be a Juneteenth event hosted by the My Brothers Keepers organization of Cambridge, which is from 2.30 to 6. It starts at uh, the Graffiti Alley in Cambridge, Central Square. And then a walk will take place over to the main public library on Broadway. I'm going to be a lot of uh, activities going on there, public speaking, a book drive, music. Uh, My man DJ Viper is going to be out there on the ones and twos. Shout out to Viper. Um, So if you guys are free, I highly recommend that you guys go and support that event. And if you want more information, you can go to the IG page of My Brothers Keepers Cambridge. Again, that's My Brothers Keepers Cambridge. The flyers on there with all the information uh, regarding the event. So. We can actually get into it right now. Here it is. It's the Mr. Vincent Podcast, episode 44. Tap in.
All right. Special thanks to my cousin, Norma. Love you and truly appreciate it. Thank you to Anchor and thank you guys for listening. And if you haven't already, which I don't know why you haven't already, but be sure to subscribe to the Mr. Vincent podcast as it is available on several platforms that include Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also keep up with me on social media as well, Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Vincent 13. And you can also like my Facebook fan page as well, Emmanuel Vincent. Uh, well, that's all the time we have for now. Happy uh, Friday. Happy Juneteenth. You guys have a blessed weekend and stay safe. Till next time. All right. Special thanks to my cousin Norma. Love you and truly appreciate it. Thank you to Anchor and thank you guys for listening. And if you haven't already, which I don't know why you haven't already, but be sure to subscribe to the Mr. Vincent podcast as it is available on several platforms that include Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also keep up with me on social media as well, Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Vincent 13. And you can also like my Facebook fan page as well, Emmanuel Vincent. Uh, well, that's all the time we have for now. Happy uh, Friday. Happy Juneteenth. You guys have a blessed weekend and stay safe. Till next time. Welcome to the Mr. Vincent podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Vincent, and happy Friday Eve. Although by the time most of you guys hear this podcast, it will in fact already be Friday. Um, so for this episode, I did uh, have a conversation with my cousin earlier this evening, who's actually been on this podcast several times. Um, we talked about essentially what we're seeing taking place in this country, a shift um, in an effort to combat systemic racism with the Black Lives Matter movement and all the protests that are taking place. Um, and we also just um, stressed like how uh, we feel that this future generation is in good hands in this effort. Um, we also did talk about why essentially it's important to vote. Um especially in 2020, in this current climate that we're living in. Then we gave our thoughts and opinions on whether or not the NBA should resume the season, as we're seeing several key players, including Kyrie Irving, um, are opposed to the NBA uh, resuming play down in Orlando in the bubble. So all that and more is coming up on this podcast. But first, I want to let you guys know about an event. Um, seeing how Friday is Juneteenth, um, there will be in a Juneteenth event hosted by the My Brothers Keepers organization of Cambridge, which is from 2.30 to 6. It starts at uh, the Graffiti Alley in Cambridge, Central Square, and then a walk will take place over to the main public library on Broadway. Um, going to be a lot of uh, activities going on there, public speaking, a book drive, music, uh, my man DJ Viper is going to be out there on the ones and twos. Shout out to Viper. Um, so if you guys are free, I highly recommend that you guys go and support that event. And if you want more information, you can go to the IG page of My Brothers Keepers Cambridge. Again, that's My Brothers Keepers Cambridge. The flyers on there with all the information uh, regarding the event. So we can actually get into it right now. Here it is. It's the Mr. Vincent podcast, episode 44. Tap in. All right, now let's get back to the pod.
All right. So now with the NBA planning to resume uh, play in, the, I believe, the 30th of July down at the Walt Disney Resort in Orlando, of course, of course, everybody's not going to be on the same page. But tensions is co- are coming in now with, you know, Kyrie taking a hard position and um, and stating that this resuming the play would essentially take away from the groundwork that's been established um, by, by these protests um, in order to um, beat off um, systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you, do you agree with Kyrie on that or? Okay. So from the beginning, I said, you know, and I think I posted this on Twitter. I said, what a statement it would be if, you know, the NBA decided that they, they weren't going to return to play. Like, that would be a form of protesting. Um, I, I feel like, in a sense, Kyrie Irving is right because if, you know, the NBA does resume play exactly the way it was playing before George Floyd and before we were quarantined, things won't be different, you know. We, we've seen the T-shirts already, you know, the I Can't Breathe t- T-shirts. We've seen the the ads that they run sometimes. But I think that what Kyrie and that coalition is trying to to do, they and they probably went about it the wrong way up, up front, but I think they kind of went back and retracted. Like I don't know if you saw Avery Bradley's statement. But I think their purpose is one, they want to make sure that everyone's voice is heard and not just a select few within the NBA. Mm. And it seems like there are people in that coalition, that coalition who agree with Kyrie and Avery Bradley. So I think at first the way they went about it wasn't the right way, but they want to see tangibles. Like they want to hear from NBA owners. Like, what are you guys going to do differently? You guys want us to resume playing, you know, what, what are you guys going to do differently? Are you guys going to, you know, donate to you know the inner city committee you know to the inner city communities in which your teams play in you know what are you guys going to do about you know hiring more um black coaches and things of that nature so i i think what Kyrie is trying to say is if we resume play we need to make sure that we're not going back to normal because going back to normal is what got us here that that's real so that's what I think. Okay. Now, um, I think both sides make great cases, but if I have to lean towards one, I'm going to lead towards the side that wants to actually resume the season. Well, I can first start off by saying that I don't – I love basketball, of course, but I'm not really too excited from a basketball fan's perspective of the season resuming just because I think that a lot of elements are going to be taken away that I feel like whoever's going to win, there'll be an asterisk attached to that. For example, there's not going to be any um, any road games or even any home games where a home crowd can swing the momentum of a series. Um, there's not going to be that real pressure that you're going to face, like in a game six being on the road mm-hmm. or like down like 15 entering the fourth quarter. So I'm the, so yeah, I'm just I'm really coming at this from the standpoint of a lot of money is going to be lost. And I'm, I'm not just talking about the owners who can lose billions or the players who can lose millions. But there's a lot of people that work within the NBA that are just that have like an average person salary and they're going to be impacted too in their family. 
So we've already we've already seen that this COVID nineteen um, pandemic has just just uh, rippled the economy. Um, so if anybody can have a chance, to, I want to see anybody who can have a chance to bounce back somewhat from that economic hit that they take get that opportunity to do it. Um, I think people just look at the NBA, at the NBA as oh the players and the owners they're greedy they're greedy. Um, but there's a lot of people who work with within the NBA who are regular people that you probably wouldn't know if you see them walking down the street who have a family to feed who have bills they got to pay so i'm looking at it like that like i think that if you can play you should now i mean if you're now obviously too we have a pandemic that's going on so that's a real concern if you don't want to risk getting that um um con- contracting the um covid19 then that's understandable as well um also too i think i seen this uh yesterday in my sports group i'm in on facebook um i think I, could, I don't know if it's real, um, but it was saying to nature that Jason Tatum was saying that he like a little reluctant to come back and play in the bubble only because he doesn't want to risk getting injured. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, and I, I wrote to that. That's kind of a lame excuse. But then when I think about it now, to be off this amount of time mm-hmm. and then to jump right back into this resuming sports at a high level does, definitely does increase the risk of injury. So I was actually wrong. He's right. So you got to take that into consideration too. So if, if players don't even want to get injured, especially when they're due for money, because I believe Jason um, Tatum can sign his extension mm-hmm. is a rookie extension this summer. So that too, I'll accept as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I was reading that some of the younger players were um, trying to like get clarity on, I believe like insurance. Um, yeah. I seen that. Yeah, you saw that too. Yeah, that, that is a valid point. You want to make sure, you know, if if that is a concern for you, I, I think that is a valid point. But I think that with the players' coalition, I think they're trying to make a statement, and they just don't know how to make that statement correctly. So you know, when at first we were just hearing Kyrie doesn't want people to play, you know, he doesn't think that the season should resume, and then you hear you know, Kendrick Perkins and others saying the reason why he's being outspoken now is because he was told he couldn't be in Orlando, you know, in the bubble or whatever. So, and, you know, you have to think too, like, we're not in on these conversations. Like, you know, we're not sitting in on the, on the, the phone calls, but I feel like the media is really trying to um, make Kyrie look bad. But um, I just think that it was just the execution of, you know, of their statement. Cause now I think even Dwight Howard said, you know, obviously he does, he does not want to um, put any obstacles in terms of having the, the season resume, but they want, they want to see changes. It seems like the coalition does. Um, but like you, you know, I, I'm an NBA fan too. I definitely want to see them come back, but it's not going to be a, it's not going to be a good feel from the stand, from the fan standpoint. Like it, I don't think we're going to enjoy it as much as, you know, we think we are. I don't think it'll be as enjoyable, but, you know, you have to think about the economic factor, you know, with people who do work for these franchises. And as you were speaking, I was also thinking about, you know, there aren't going to be any home games. There aren't going to be any away games. So are the people who used to work at those arenas, those home arenas, like, are they still going to be getting paid? Like, you know, what's going to happen to them? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, it's just, and also now, like with the cases going up in Florida, I, they, they need to look at that too, because that is a concern. You know, the cases are going up, and I, you know, 
the whole point of the bubble is to avoid and to to decrease the exposure to COVID. But yep. the the cases are going up here, so that is another factor. I just think that that the coalition, their execution wasn't right, but. You're starting to hear, okay, these are the reasons why we're saying X, Y, and Z. This is what we want to see. Um, and it sounds like what, what they're asking for, those are not things that will be able to come into effect prior to them resuming. So they're just all going to have to get on the same page at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah, because like with the coalition led by Kyrie, like I'm not like hearing anything that's real concrete as to an alternative from not... Um, resuming the season. Now, I remember I heard before that there was a, a report of a uh, a group chat he had with Nets, Nets players saying that they should just elect to not join the bubble and they can possibly start their own league. But then later, Bleach reports Taylor Rooks, I believe yesterday, had a report out suggesting that, that Kyrie never um, proposed that idea. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know where to stand at with that. Yeah, I saw that too, that they reported that Kyrie left the the chat after or before that that was proposed um yeah i just think that at the end of the day they they all need to come together because you know we want to preach unity and right now they don't look unified at all they don't look unified and that is that's the first thing that you need in any type of change i know that you know when you go back to the civil rights movement people had different ideas people had disagreements they had different opinions but at the end of the day they were able to come together and that's what they need to do Exactly. Um, also, too, I mean, like the NBA, I, I'm, I'm going to credit the NBA because um, they are really doing a, a good job in taking the precautionary measures in order to resume the season and the bubble. Um, like you said, like the, the idea of the bubble is to I mean, I don't think that you can 100 percent block off COVID-19, but you can take but you can still take measures to limit the chances of any, any of your players or employees contacting the virus. So I seen before that they're going to have like uh, they have like a lot of amenities in that bubble with like a movie theater, uh, mm -hmm. barber. Um, what else did I see that they had? Um, I, think, I think like um, 24 hour um, concierge, something like that. Yeah, I'm taking a look right now and see what I saw. But yeah, I mean, the, yep, 24-hour concierge, daily movies, lawn games, all on the Orlando campus. Um, so they are obviously going out of their way to provide like, these athletes with all the amenities that are in a situation where they're going to have to be like away from their families for an extended period of time. It's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be convenient. Um, but, I mean, again, a lot of them have the goal of just finishing the season and um, try, trying to recoup some of this money that could potentially be lost. A lot of people don't realize, too, like, if they don't play this season, it's not only going to affect money now, but down the line, because they can tear up this um, CBA, mm -hmm. and then players, when players' are deal are up, deals are up and they want the money that they want or that they think that they're worth, they're not going to get it if they don't finish the season off. Right. Yeah, so there's so many things that will be impacted if they don't finish the season. That is for sure. Um but um, yeah, I mean the NBA. I I will I will applaud them as well too because they definitely, whoever is making these decisions, I'm pretty sure they're not getting a lot of sleep because, you know, for them to just come up with this 100 page document of, you know, protocols and things that you know will be presented to them in terms of amenities, they they definitely did a good job, 
and laying out this foundation. But um, it, it is going to be up to the players as to whether or not things go smoothly. You know, like they say, you can't go to other people's um, hotel rooms. You just got to stay in yours. Like that's something that, you know, the players are definitely going to have to adhere to because if, you know, you have a spike where so many players end up, you know, catching the virus, like, what's going to happen then? I know that Adam Silver said that they're not going to suspend, you know, playing if, you know, players do contract the virus. But at what point do you have to reevaluate things if you have, you know, a high number of players that have tested positive? Exactly. Or even a scenario where we have, let's say, the West, Western Conference Finals, just the Battle of L.A. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, would, I wouldn't just use LeBron or Kawhi in this instance. We can even say Anthony Davis or Paul George. What happens if they um, get COVID-19, they come back positive right before game five. Exactly. Um, it's going to swing the whole momentum of the series. Um, and then if the whoever wins, it's not going to be looked at the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly, because we're, then we're going to be like, oh, they didn't have, you know, their second base best player available because they have the virus. So. Exactly. Um, now, see, and my thing, too, with uh, Kyrie and the coalition, um, now, I understand, obviously, like, I mean, I did say earlier, too, like, with the with everything that's going on with it, without there being any distraction, we're seeing a lot of, like, um, steam pickup with the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests and so forth. Now, um, however, like this, like I said earlier too, this is going to be a long-term project. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, you're, you can possibly say, well, what do you want us to do? Not play basketball for the next several years because this is going to be a long-term project. It's just not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And if, if you are really concerned about tackling, you know, social injustices, then you might have to, as an individual, remove yourself from the equation like Maya Moore did if it's something that you are wholeheartedly you know passionate about Mm -hmm. and you know the quote was out there that he's willing to give up everything I think that's what they said Kyrie said if if Mm. that's the case you know you may have to step outside of the coalition and and do it on your own yeah if that's what you want to do um but and like you said things are not going to happen overnight and a lot of the things that, you know, they demanded are not things that are realistically going to happen prior to them resuming the season. So what what other things do you see that they are demanding the coalition? Um, I saw things such as um, improving like hiring practices for black front office and head coaching candidates. Mm. Um, I guess making sure that the management of the league better reflects the players, like that divert the, um, the demographics of the players donating to organizations that serve black communities, um, more partnerships with black owned businesses, especially like the arena vendors and things of that nature. Mm. So, I mean, those are great ideas, but those are not going to realistically happen before the start of the season maybe i don't know maybe they want a commitment to those things but i don't know how far they're willing to to go and when i say they i mean the coalition they they um those things that they're they're asking for those are great things you know i think they're awesome
but realistically, those are not going to go into place, especially the last one about partnering with arena vendors. Once we don't know when we're going to have arenas open to sporting we, events. Oh, yeah. I, I've been I've been on record saying that we won't be able to like have events at like arenas or stadiums with capacity mm-hmm. as we did before. I would say until the next year, year and a half. Because yeah. a vaccine takes about that long to make, like about a year, and then you got to get the time elapse where you can where you can realistically say that most people have already gotten this vaccine at this point. Right. Exactly. So yeah, make make a good point. Exactly. So, you know, I don't think it's going to stop the season from resuming. I the, I think the only thing that might hinder what they're trying to do is just the spike in cases in Florida when it comes to the virus. Um, that, that that's the only thing. But in terms of like what the coalition is trying to do, that I don't think that's going to to stop the season from resuming. But I, I do hope that with what they're presenting, I do hope that the NBA does listen to those demands and those concerns because we've known how you know we've always talked about how you know the number of black coaches as to the number of black people in the league just does not match up exactly we definitely need more black um executives in the league and and if we know anything about the nba of all the leagues that we follow the nba will definitely support that um it's not gonna come quickly like it's not gonna come tomorrow but i think the nba will listen to them no i believe they will especially with adam silver at the helm um in the commissioner role i think he's been a a great commissioner um, who's very player, who's player, well, some people will criticize it for being player friendly. I won't go that far. Um, but again, I mean, the players are the, are the money generators. So why shouldn't they have a voice and they, and they be taken seriously? I think he does a good job of, of listening to them and also listening to the owners too. He's a, he has a good balance. And it's, exactly. that's very, I think that's very hard to find with um, commissioners in major sports leagues. So kudos for to sure. him. For sure, for sure. They're, they're doing, a, you know, as best of a job as they can. Hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, you said that the cases had spiked in Florida. Um, I think I saw recently that they're considering closing some parts down. Is it Miami? Is that true? Well, um, yeah. The cases have spiked here, and also in the county that I live, which is the county where they'll be in bubble, where they'll be quarantined, mm-hmm. NBA. So those numbers are going up. And then um, today, our mayor just announced that beginning Saturday, everyone is required to wear a mask when they're in public. Um, there is a possibility that some cities may have to, you know, go back into quarantine. Nothing's official, but there are rumors going around that um, we might have to have those stay at home orders again because the numbers are going up and, you know, not trying to get political on here, but there's just the leadership that we have in Florida is very reminiscent or it looks a lot like the leadership in, in Washington, D.C. So, you're hearing a lot of denials when it comes to our governor, but you have, you know, city and state officials who are saying otherwise. So we, the numbers, the numbers reflect what's going on, but basically the governor is in denial. So um, Wait a minute, wait a minute. So you guys down there are not at this moment required to wear a mask in public? No. Wow. No. <laughs> It wasn't required. Well, yeah, we've been, uh, I want to say we've been, uh, have that requirement like the past month, month and a half, maybe? 
Right. Wow. That's, I think that's why we're in the position that we're in now. That you know, the the state rushed to reopen, but they didn't really put into you know a lot of parameters or any requirements. But um, I my 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 mayor made the announcement today that everyone will be required to wear a mask when they're in public. Wow. That's that's bad. <laughs> that is bad. <laughs> oh man! And listen, I I I questioned your guys' leadership when I read the article that they deemed, even though I love wrestling, when they deemed WWE an essential business. Mm-hmm. Like, what? <laughs> but then I learned. Well, I learned that um, one of the someone who's in leadership over you know WWE, I believe they are like a um trump supporter or donor oh yeah so i, I think that was oh, oh oh donator okay <laughs> yeah a don't yeah they donate to his campaign so i think that was a political decision that was made it was it was silly it wasn't smart but um yeah yeah, yeah, Our- because, yeah because i believe that that their performance center where they record all their shows now is in orlando is that, yeah, that am I right? I used, I used to work it's um, it's like on the campus of a university that I used to work at. Yeah, so it's not too far from here. Oh, okay. Mhm. Yep. They record in Orlando. What? What? Like that? That? Like yeah? That? That has politics written all over it. <laughs> it yep. It was. It was political, and that that just shows you the type of leadership we have here in Florida, mm. which is sad. Oh yeah, def- I, I can't believe you guys. I haven't been wearing a mask. I didn't know that. Like I. I- oh yeah, I didn't even know. I. I didn't know it was mandatory where you're at either. I, I, I think California it's mandatory now, but it's not even statewide. Um, it's not a it's not even a statewide mandate here. I, I my mayor, I, he might he might be one of the first in the state to require it. And typically those those mandates come from the governor, but I, I think my mayor just decided to make the decision on his own because clearly the numbers are showing the spread is you know it's spreading rapidly, but. Mm-hmm. The people above him, they're 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 not acting. So I, I think he just took it upon himself and said, "Okay, my residents, you guys need to wear masks." Yeah, I think the language behind us wearing the mask in Massachusetts is that you should you should wear the mask if you cannot socially distance yourself. Oh, hey, listen, whenever I'm out, I'm wearing a mask. When I when I go off my my morning walks or my walks during my lunch break, I put a mask on. I'm not taking any chances right now. So exactly. so I wear it as much as I can. Exactly. Same here. Yeah. So, so back to the NBA talk too, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now, a lot of players too um, can't necessarily afford to take this financial risk that Kyrie essentially is proposing. Um, like every, I think Austin Rivers uh, spoke out against um, Kyrie's stance. Um, not everybody has money to fall back on, like a crazy shoe deal with a with a Nike or another top line. Um, they don't have any endorsements off the off the field. Or the basketball court, we should say here, and um, also too on the boardroom. Um, I believe it was several weeks ago. CJ McCollum said that when when asked how many players do you think live paycheck at paycheck the paycheck, he said eighty percent of the league. That's I, I I I my jaw dropped when I heard that. Yeah, me too. That was eye opening. So when you look at it like that, it's like, do you, can you guys really really afford to not play the season? Yeah. A lot of a lot of players wouldn't be able to afford it, and you know, yeah, I, I feel like I understand both sides. It's, you know, it's like the coalition wants to make a stand; like they want to, they want to use leverage. They want to use their leverage, but um, 
And I, I would say I'm pretty sure the majority of the league agrees that, you know, they they want to see changes within the league. But just to say, you know, to stop the season, um, it, it's not realistic for a lot of people. You know, like me personally, I came out up front. I said, I don't think they should have a season. But I wasn't thinking about it from the financial standpoint. I just felt that it would have been a, a strong statement for them to say, we're not playing until we see X, Y, and Z. Because if they don't play, that would be a strong statement. That is their form of protesting. Mm-hmm. But um, there are players who wouldn't be able to sustain if they don't continue playing. So I, I'm, I know they're going to resume. Um, and I just hope that the coalition is still you know, as proactive. And I'm pretty sure even those who aren't in the quote-unquote coalition, those who are on the outside, I feel like everyone, all the players in the league, at the end of the day, they want to see changes within the league. Um, those changes are not going to come right away. And I think that's what the coalition has to, to understand. But I really do feel like they're trying to use leverage in this situation because they believe they have leverage. Yeah, I mean... Like I said, I, I see both sides of the argument. Certainly, they make some valid key points, but why? Like, why I tend to also side on the guys that want to res- actually resume the season down in Orlando is why do people think that you can't simultaneously do two things at the same time? I think I think it's possible that you can play and then mm-hmm. still show your support for the movement that's going on. I mean, like we talked about earlier with LeBron James, what he's doing with this voting group, group that he's starting to stress the emphasis on, on voting is amazing. Um, I think they got Russell um, Westbrook working on, working on a documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it could be done. And the season's not going to be that long. I mean, not every player – it's not like every team is going to go, like, to the finals or go advance deep in the playoff. So I'm sure once that once their season comes to an end officially, they can get back there and doing the groundwork with the rest of them. Right. And, you know, the examples that you provided of LeBron and Russell, those are, those examples are more realistic, things that, you know, can go into place, especially LeBron's more than a vote, like the election is in a few months. That is something that we'll be able to see um, outcomes from right away. Whereas, you know, the, the players coalition, you know, they want things that are not realistic right now just due to timing but like you said they can do both at the same time um i just we just i just don't want um the messaging to be watered down like it has in the past when these you know injustices have occurred Mm -hmm. like that's what i want i just want to make sure that you know they're still being vocal like we're 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 done with all the statements. Like we're past the statements. We're past all of the watered down messaging. Um, we want to see some action, and I think that you know the documentary that Russell has on the Tulsa massacre, massacre, and then LeBron's more than a vote. That is, you know, that's something that they can do while they're still playing. So I, I think that you know players who are really passionate about it. They can find ways, especially now we're quarantined. You have to find ways that work based on the situation that we're in right now with COVID and, you know, most people being home. Mm. So it definitely can be done, like you said. They could do both at the same time. But I think that, like, from what Kyrie's coming from, I think he wants to be kind of spiteful. Like, I don't know. 
I'm, this is just my opinion. I now, think he wants to- I think I said something that, that he wasn't. Oh, did you say that earlier in the part that he wasn't invited into the bubble and that's why he's acting like yeah, he's doing what, right now? That's what Perkins said, Kendrick Perkins. He he was saying that, you know, because they were saying that Kyrie Kyrie was all in um, before they announced that he couldn't, he wasn't invited to the bubble. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they said, this is where he's coming out. And, you know, Kendrick said that, you know, what he's doing right now, what Kyrie's doing right now is a distraction. And... um did you see that? Well, I didn't see the clip. I, I scrolled through it on my on YouTube feed. But Kendrick Perkins, he, he seems to, he really comes off as like he's like on LeBron's payroll. Because he is honestly, he is, <laughs> no, no, no. Because he is actually um on Clutch on clutch Sports. He's signed with Clutch Sports. And really? it's funny because, I yeah. So on my, in my sports group, like, because, um, you know, he's been, ever since the last dance has been coming out, he's been taking shots at Michael Jordan saying LeBron's the GOAT. But my man, I'm like, in the sports group, I'm in, he had screenshots that kept saying Michael's the GOAT like, right before he even signed with Clutch. But now that he's on Clutch, he's all pro-LeBron and, like, coming to MJ. I'm like, oh, yeah, something special with this guy. He's definitely yeah, – he's, like, really flip-floppy. And um, I guess – I don't know who posted it on Instagram. They posted his quotes about Kyrie being a distraction, and then Kevin Durant commented sellout. Yep. Uh, you saw that? I've seen that. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't know that about him being with Clutch Sports. So that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I'm like, he's really pro LeBron, and like, I mean, yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, now, now, I, now I see why why he talks the way he does um so much now because yeah. <laughs> he's signed it, it. It, it. You just make, yeah, it makes sense to me now that you said I didn't know he was with Clutch. Yeah, I mean, even like with the season three, I mean, I'm sure as a much of the competitor as LeBron is, he wanted he wants to get this season done because. This this may be his best chance to ever win another championship. I mean, I agree. And in, in year seventeen, you can't take for granted the next years that are coming along that you'll be as good as you were in this moment. I play at this level. We we seen Father Time kick in. I mean, it looks like it looks like LeBron is not going to come, but who's to say that it, that it couldn't happen? Um, the following season where his his play um dips off significantly, and the Lakers probably won't be considered a heavy title favorite yeah. with the likes of like the Clippers in the West and when Steph Curry and Clay Thompson come back mm-hmm. so I mean hey this is it this is your gotta be all in I I can see his mindset he wants to be all in and finish the season off um strong for sure and um AD he he'll be a free agent next season right next year right next summer this summer he's a free agent yep this summer or next summer this summer he's a free agent oh this summer okay yeah, they. Yeah, he. Yeah, LeBron definitely wants to play because he he knows that this might be his one and only chance to 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 win it with the Lakers and with that core. So um, you you can see why he wants to play. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I just hope that what they have set up in terms of like the protocol. I just hope that things just run smoothly, so that um. Cause I don't, you don't want an interruption in playing, and you don't want to see, you know, star players having to sit out because you know they caught the virus or whatever the case may be. They're sick, so I just hope things go according um, to schedule, and then we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy seeing like this whole rift in the NBA community. Yeah, uh, you, you know, you know what I don't think even gets talked about that much is the fact that these coaching staffs have coaches on them that are the age where 
COVID-19 is um, most damaging to. Yeah. I'm yeah. surprised that that doesn't, that doesn't get mentioned as much. It's true. Yeah, they have, there are a lot of older coaches and um, it's going to be interesting to see, like, it's also going to be interesting to see, like, which staff members are going to be allowed to travel to Orlando mm-hmm. in the bubble. Um, because I think they they put a limit on that too. The NBA did, if I'm not mistaken, the number of like staff that can travel. That I'm not sure of, but I know that um that that that, that would definitely make sense though. But I know that yeah. there will be like in like social distancing will be enforced on the bench um a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, they they're not talking a lot about the coaches, but I forgot which coach came out and like was it Mike D'Antoni or someone one of the older coaches, um someone reported that oh such and such coach might not be able to be there because of their age and then the coach that was being um called out said um pretty much um that's not true like you can't prevent us from going because of our age or whatever um yeah but it'll it'll be interesting to see that you know with the coaches um uh yeah i had to look and see like did if they did limit the number of personnel that can be in the bubble with the with the teams in Orlando. Mm, yeah, I'll take a look into that too. But uh, good stuff here, cause uh, what you got planned for the rest of the night? Um, nothing really. Mm. Nothing. I just probably go eat some dinner, and that's it. What about you? Uh, well, I, after this, I'll probably edit this podcast and put it up. Uh, maybe on 10, 11 o'clock. So by the morning time, it's on everybody who subscribes. Uh, uh, feed. Um, are you working tomorrow for Juneteenth? Oh no. No, I'm off tomorrow. Did you always have it off or they gave it off to you guys for the Juneteenth? Well, so I'm um, at the college. We have Fridays off during the summer. Oh. Yeah. So um Juneteenth being on Friday, um, I have it off. But I think from here on out, I'm gonna request Juneteenth off every year. Yeah. So oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I forgot to bring that up in, in this podcast. I was going to bring it up with you. Like a lot of these companies are <sighs> I mean, it's a nice gesture, but I feel like why did it take this long to demonstrate this, to display yeah. this? Um, for example, didn't they, um, aren't they Quaker Oats about to get rid of Aunt Jemima? Yeah. It, it took you that long to, to see that that was offensive? Over 100 years. Or even, <laughs> or, or even um, all these companies like, I mean, credit to Nike, but uh, Nike, but like giving um, their employees Juneteenth off and observing it as a paid holiday. Yeah, I was like, I don't know. I mean, hey, I like, I love the gesture, but I'm just now. This this, this should have happened a long time ago. Yeah, a lot of these people, they're you know, a lot of these organizations and even people as individuals, they're playing catch up. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're catching up, and I just hope that they keep that same energy six months from now. You know, a year from now, because that's what it's going to take. Like it, this energy that we have now, we need to sustain it. Like it has to be ongoing. Yeah, exactly. You're right. Well, uh, cuz, um, we can wrap it up. Uh, thank you very much. No problem. Have a good night. You too. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. So what's your whole thoughts right now on, um, what's, what you're seeing transpiring in the wake of, uh, the protests, Black Lives Matter movement, um, since the murder of George Floyd? Um, I want to say that, you know, Right now, America is at a point in time that we haven't seen in a really long time in terms of 
people just really being vocal about, you know, the issues of police brutality when it comes to Black people, men and women. And then you also are starting to see people dig into systemic racism because, you know, a lot of people want to say, yeah, you know, I'm not racist, you know, this isn't a racist country. But people don't know that there's so many, a lot of the systems in our country are built around racism. When you, you know, look at the education system, um, you look at housing affordability, you know, you look at the healthcare system. So, so many of our systems are built around racism. And I think that with the protesting and, and, Things just being right in front of our faces. I I, I want to say it might be contributed to everyone being quarantined and at home. So you have no choice but to see and hear what's going on. You know, I think that people are really starting to wake up finally. Um, I was telling one of my friends the other day, um, you know, those who weren't really into, you know, race, racial matters or, you know, police brutality against, you know, black men and women you know, I, I feel like a lot of people are now starting to catch up to what, you know, we've been saying for so long. So um, I, I just feel like that America is at a tipping point and we as Black people, we're, we're not going to allow people to just skate on by these situations. We're, we're going to hold people accountable now. Mm-hmm. No, nah, I mean, you actually hit it um, right on point. Uh, well, I mean, I definitely think that the pandemic has a big effect on everybody being so vocal and out there protesting and so forth because i mean there's really no distractions anymore you can't turn a blind eye you don't have an excuse of um going to a movie or going to a bar with your friends or you know going to a sporting event or a concert like everybody is home right now we're seeing this unfold um so i definitely think that it plays a a big role um which is which is why i was always like curious like we're going to go back to somewhat normalcy. So what is this going to look like when that happens? I'm still waiting to see that uh, and see if this will keep going on, that people will be this vocal. and, and stay. But what I'm saying right now, it's a beautiful sight. I love it. Um, yeah. Um, did you, what do you think about the uh, the cop that killed the, the man, Rob Richard Brooks, in Atlanta? That, that's crazy. Yeah, that, that definitely is crazy. Um, you know, I, I saw you know, the video footage, I saw the body cam footage. And, you know, for me, I just feel like it did not have to get to the to the end result. Because, you know, the cops could clearly see that he was impaired, like he was drunk. And, you know, if if the cops had a mindset of, you know, hey, I'm a first responder, you know, I probably don't need to use force with him you know if they have the mindset of oh let's find a way to get him home safely or hey why don't you call a friend of yours to come pick you up I feel like he would not be dead now because I don't know if you saw the body cam footage I mean he was talking I didn't you didn't no okay so I mean the first part of it is just them asking him questions like do you know where you are like how did you get here like there was no hostility he was, you know, it was a back and forth conversation. Both of them were both polite. And then 
I guess after he failed the breathalyzer, that's when they were trying to arrest him. And that's when he was resisting. They got into the fight. He took the taser. He started running off. And then, you know, the cop shot him twice in the back. I just feel like that's that's a perfect example of why we need reform when it comes to, you know, policing. Because Mm -hmm. had they been properly trained, you know, the first thing that should have came to their mind was okay he he needs help maybe we need to call a social worker or you know we should cops I I feel like they're just trained to to use force in every situation and every situation doesn't require excessive force exactly and they should be able to assess that um, based on the situation and with their training that they had exactly exactly yeah Um, I mean it was good to see that that cop um Garrett Wolf I believe uh got charged mm-hmm. on Wednesday. But then you see a fallout after that where I, I believe um, the mayor of Atlanta said um, or it was reported on a Wednesday evening that a lot of like cops were calling out like sick mm-hmm. more than usual in the, in the ATL area, which is pretty alarming when they have a job to protect and serve. And hey, if, if somebody else messed up, I mean, it might reflect bad. It might reflect bad on the department, but you guys still have an obligation to adhere to. Exactly. Because that, if that were us, who called out of work what would happen like we would get reprimanded we'd get written up you know so mm-hmm. you know they're saying that the morale is really low when it comes to police officers but i mean th- these things have been going on for so long you know they, they have to be addressed and it was good that you know they moved quickly in atlanta in terms of firing the officer and then um the charges coming this week I know that a lot of people are kind of um, they, they believe that the charges may have been too um, too I want to say too hard in terms of a jury being able to convict on yep. felony murder. I've heard people say that you know the charges should have been manslaughter instead, but um, I feel like we're we're shifting. America is seeing the shift and. I hope I hope that, you know, God forbid this does happen again. I just hope that, you know, these district attorneys and these mayors, they are swift to move because typically we have to wait months before charges come. Yeah, that's what it's been in the past. Like you you wait months, close close to a year before charges come. So, um, yeah, it was good to see that, you know, the charges came quickly. Yeah, exactly. I think that the, this whole this protest movement that blacks are just not going to sit by and watch like cops abuse their power and get up, we'll get them to get away with um, senseless acts that they're going to now. Now we see like a lot of like swift action taking place. They're not lagging their feet anymore. Um, so that's good. That's that, that definitely a sign of progress. Now, you talked about um, police reform. So I was reading an article recently, too, about like people want why they want to see um police be def- um, defunded mm-hmm. and it was really it brought some interesting points that I didn't think that I never like thought about before until reading the article such as how um, with, by, by defunding the, the police the community can put that money to like impoverished areas or school systems and uh, or and like maybe like youth centers in the community because when you think about it a lot of crime that takes place in America um, has a, a large part to do with like the area that you live in, uh-huh. whether or not it's uh, whether or not it's a poverty stricken area or not. 
um, with with less jobs available, less resources, that eventually leads to more crime. So when I'm looking at it, I'm like, okay, that sounds um that sounds legit. What do you think about that? Definitely agree with that. And um, I when at, before you even like start to read up articles, once you hear defund, you know a lot of people assume that it means stripping police departments a hundred percent of their funding. But like you said, it's really reallocating funds that are, you know, given to police officers and putting them in areas that, you know, like social services, like you said, schools, schools are so underfunded. And why aren't we putting more funding to the teachers who will eventually be teaching these, you know, feature cops? A, te- a, te- a teacher who I, w- I believe has the most important job in the world. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, also putting those, you know, those funds towards, you know, resources in the communities. So I definitely agree with, you know, reassessing. I I don't don't quote me on this, but I want to say I don't know if it was NYPD, but I believe their police budget, the budget for their police department is like six million or or something like that. Mm. Don't quote me on that. I have to double check. But we really do need to reassess and 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 start start action and i believe you know defunding the police it, that is a good step you know you move move some of that that money out of the police departments and and put it towards schools put it towards you know resources and in, in communities and um yeah i i definitely agree that that is a start you know defunding the police yeah yeah, I mean, in the article I was reading too, I think as they're saying that they've already started that process down in Minneapolis uh, mm. as well. In the wake of obviously that's where the um, George Floyd incident happened. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You start, and also I believe some like school districts said that they're no longer going to have um, like the city police at their schools. I remember, I think Minneapolis was like one of the first cities right after George Floyd was killed. I think there was a college too that I forget the college that yeah, also said that. I think Minnesota, University of Minnesota said okay. that. Yeah, yeah. They were going to have police departments at their like sporting events and stuff like that. So, I mean, people people are talking. A lot of, a lot of things are being said now, but I think we have to wait and see what happens six months, a year, two years from now, you know? Exactly, because it's not, it's not going to be an overnight process. It's going to take a lot of work, and we have to keep hitting the pavement to really see some real significant changes, I believe. I don't think that this can be addressed like in like several months. Right, because look how long it took for us to get here. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. So we, we, we definitely have to, to be patient and know that things are not going to happen overnight, for sure. Yeah, but I will say that I'm really impressed with the younger generation. I think it's Generation Z. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> see, I, I be forgetting all the time, but yeah, I mean, they're really making taking strides and getting their voices heard. Um, I see a lot of them, like in my community, well, well, in Cambridge, I don't live in Cambridge anymore, but a lot of them are like trusting the importance of going out to the um voting polls this week. I meant this week, this um November, um doing doing the census. I think it's dope that we see a lot of people that are gonna be in very important positions in the future. Yeah, for sure. Generation Z, they are definitely um, the activist generation. They're very, um, they're outspoken and they are all about, you know, change. Even the protests, a lot of the protests that are being led here where I'm at, most of them are being led by, you know, 
you know, those who are younger than us, the Generation Z. So, you know, I, I think our, our future is bright. Um, and it, it's up to those in front of them, you know, the generations ahead of them to, to support Generation Z. You know, we, we have to support them because they're, they're doing amazing work. Exactly. Did you um, see the Dave Chappelle special, 846? Yeah, I watched them. Yeah, I watched it. Oh, you watched it? What was your thoughts on it? I thought it was really good. You know, to be honest with you, I've never been into, I never watched, I've never been into comedy, even though I wouldn't even call that a comedy special because, you know, it was serious stuff that he was addressing. But I, I, I liked it because it, it just felt so raw and it was something that we needed to, to see. And for him to title it 846, that, that really, you know, it puts a lot of things into perspective. You know, when you think about, you know, eight minutes and 46 seconds, you saw people kneeling for eight minutes and 46 seconds. And when you realize that, you're like, wow, that's a really long time for someone to to have their knee, for someone to place their knee on someone's, you know, neck. And, so I, and for our listeners who did it, who might not right. catch that reference, that that was how long that um, the cop had his uh, knee on the neck of George Floyd. Right, exactly, exactly. So I, I thought it was a brilliant special. Um, I would encourage everyone to to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I, I like you said, like I, I thought it was really brilliant. Um, the fact that I love the tone again regarding the subject matter that was at hand, I thought that it was certainly appropriate. But mm-hmm. he still found a way to add the humor element into it, which is um, why he's Dave Chappelle and why who he is. Um, so it was uh, definitely a great special to watch. Um, I like I like the fact how we did call out Don Lemon essentially for um, like like putting pressure on all these celebrities to come out and speak because I don't really think that I mean I get why people want, want celebrities to speak, but I don't see why people are so pressed for, for celebrities um to speak. And Dave Chappelle's rebuttal was essentially uh, was perfect to me. Um, just paraphrasing him, he basically said that he feels like that's going to take away from those who are really on the ground doing the work and want their voices to be heard. If somebody like him was to speak on, on it. What do you, what do you think on that? Yeah, I agree. Like I, I was watching it live when Don, Don Lemon made, you know, those, those statements where he was calling out, you know, his celebrity friends, so to say. And I just feel like you, you don't always have to say something because you don't know what people are doing behind the scenes. Exactly. And there are so many people that that is like what they enjoy doing, doing the behind the scenes stuff. And I, I I hear what Don Lemon is saying, you know, and at that moment, things were so raw that night when he spoke, when Don Lemon spoke. So I, I think our instant reaction is to say, oh, why didn't so-and-so say anything? Why didn't, why didn't so-and-so put out a statement? Why didn't they, you know, put a tweet out or whatever? But you, you shouldn't, you know... I, I you, you just don't know what people are doing behind the scenes. So, um, yeah, I, I liked how he, he did kind of address that with Don Lemon in the special, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, again, if those who if those of you guys who are listening and didn't see it, I highly suggest you go to watch that special, 846. It's on YouTube. I don't think it's on Netflix. I think it's only on YouTube. It's on YouTube, correct, yeah. 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 Um, so um, ha- have you gone to any, like, protests since this um has sparked off throughout the country? Yeah, I went to one. Um, it was a protest slash march slash prayer walk. 
Um, I don't live too far from downtown. That's where most of the protests are held in my city where I live. Okay. So, you know, like when I'm driving by, I'll, I'll see people protesting. Um, they've been peaceful. I, I want to say maybe like that first weekend, things that things did kind of get out of hand, but they've been peaceful for the most part. Um, I most people are post- protesting over during the weekend when mm-hmm. most people are home and not working. But, um, you know, the protest that I went to, I want to say there had to have been at least 500 people there. And um, we walked from we walked from one side on one street. So basically, we walked three, three and a half miles. And it was it was it was really good. I mean, I I know the news. They're not covering the protests anymore, but people are still protesting. People are still out there. And I just hope that you know, we keep it up. Like we, we, we continue to drive this and, and just be, and just be vocal and be active because that's, that's what it's going to take. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I haven't gone to any protests yet. Um, there's going to be a Juneteenth um, event going on in Cambridge tomorrow. I'm off work. So I might, I'm going to go check that out more. So I'm going to really go there to, I'm trying to work on a news article, not for my portfolio. So I'm going to go there and see if I can rob, get some pictures and talk to anybody who wants to be interviewed for my article. But I'll be, I'll be there. I haven't gone to any protests, but I'm loving what I'm seeing. I would never think that it would go this long, even in the midst, even if, even if the fact that um, people are home and don't really have anything else to do, I would have never thought that protest would go this long. I thought yeah. maybe after like a week or two, it would be over, but it's still going strong throughout the country too. Yeah, yeah. People are not letting up, and and I, like I said, I hope that people just continue it. You know, the news may not be covering it like they did, but people are still out there. Mm-hmm. People are still out there, so um, it it it's encouraging to see, and and it's also encouraging to see that you know you're seeing a lot of like, you know, you're seeing white people, you're seeing Hispanics, you're seeing Asian, you know, you're seeing young, old, so. Everyone is out there. It's not just black people. Like everyone is out there protesting. Oh, I, I, where I live at, I mean, there's not really a lot of black people in my, where I live at right now. And last week, and I strove by a bunch of people holding up Black Lives Matter signs. I had to blink twice. I'm like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> but hey, I mean, this is dope. We we need allies on our side. Um, we do. This is the this is the time. I said that this is the time that you don't want to be on the wrong side of, his, of history. Is right now. That's true. That's true. Um, are you are you stressing? Um, I, I see you on on Twitter a lot. You know, stressing the importance of voting. Are you like doing that in your community? So yeah, I, I, I just think that, you know, we always say elections are important, but um, this November election is really important, and so I'm really stressing the importance of requesting. Um, to vote by mail because here in Florida, there are a lot of measures put in place to suppress the vote mm-hmm. um, of minorities. So it's really important that, you know, we can't use coronavirus as an excuse as to why we don't go to the voting poll. Oh, I don't want to wait in line too long. Or I don't want to be around people because of, you know, exposure to the virus. So I'm really stressing the importance of requesting a ballot to vote by mail. Um, it's super easy. You literally, you fill it out, put it in the mail, and you can even track it to make sure that, you know, 
the supervisor of elections office did receive your ballot. Mm. So that is, those are some things that I am doing right now. I'm doing them remotely because of, you know, we're all quarantined, but um, yeah, I, I just think it's important that, you know, we are voting and that we're not letting coronavirus be an excuse as to why we don't vote. Especially when some of us are out and about every day, every day, like it doesn't exist. So the least you can do is just go and, and make sure that you get your voice heard at yep. the uh, ballot box this November. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. This is a, a very, very important election. And I don't want to get too political, but we've seen an administration that has um, just fumbled this whole pandemic in the worst way imaginable. Mm-hmm. Now, one should ask themselves, do they really want another four years of this right. where thousands of lives have been impacted, result- resulting in death, unemployment, um, just from a psychological standpoint? Do you really want another four years of this is what I think people should ask themselves. And then from there, go ahead. Just- yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We, I just don't see how we can, can how we can sustain as a country if we have another four years of this yeah uh, it's it's not good so i would definitely encourage everyone make sure that you're registered to vote um wherever you live just make sure you're registered to vote um double check and make sure that they have all of your correct information and you know if you don't want to stand in lines um, on voting day, you know, I don't, I know that I'm not sure how it is, you know, where you are, but, you know, we have early voting at least, I want to say 21 days before the election or request to vote by mail. I mean, I know there, you know, the administration is trying to say that voting by mail is voter fraud, which is not true. That's not proven. It's actually a safe way to vote. So if you don't want to be in the long lines, request um, a ballot so that you can vote by mail. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you brought up a, a good point too about um, voter suppression, which is real. We all we, we've seen it throughout the history of this country. Um, I was listening uh, to the Bill Simmons podcast, one of the podcasts I listen to frequently. Jalen Rose was on it last week and talking about the importance of voting because I believe he's in that group that LeBron's starting with uh, getting people to really go out and vote this November. He made a good point. How is it that in 2020 you can't vote on it on your phone? Right. 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 And not only that, like, (laughs) why is it so hard to register to vote? Like, we should have a system in place that as soon as you turn 18, you're automatically registered to vote. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a good point. Like, why? Why aren't we able to, you know, vote on our phones? I mean, we're able to make transactions on our phones. Um, We're able to upload like medical cards, health information. Why can't we vote for I mean, we, we have these phones that will have a high security on them with a lot of them have fingerprint scanners. Um, why can't we vote on our, on our smartphones in 2020? I think it's just another form of suppression. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think so, too. Because you would think that that would be, you know, an option for us in 2020, like, you know, Jalen Rose said, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Whew. Um, so, yeah, we could take a break here and then we'll come back and talk some, uh, you know, the NBA and the whole uh, controversy that's going on around that. 
All right. Sounds good. Okay.